0: Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. And today we are speaking with Jocelyn Barard, who is a Senior Vice President and National Practice Leader of Leadership Assessment and Development at Optimum Talent. In this role, he is responsible for overseeing the National Practice Development Plan and upholding the level of quality that sets the firm apart in its field by maintaining a team of experienced professionals who can meet the needs of its clients. Jocelyn has extensive experience in human resources and business management in Europe, North America, the Middle East, and Asia. His focus is on talent management, especially in the areas of leadership assessment, development, performance management, succession management, and selection of best practices. Today we are talking to Jocelyn about natural intelligence and how important it is to still consider the human elements of our employees as we grow in this world of artificial intelligence. Let's get started. We're very excited to be here today with Jocelyn Burrard, who is a Senior VP and National Practice Leader, Leadership Assessment and Development at Optimum Talent. Thanks for joining us today, Jocelyn. Thank
1: you, Jennifer. Pleasure to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, ended up on the path that you're on now.
1: Okay. Um, Briefly, (laughs) not to tell you all the resume, uh, I studied in psychology, so I'm an industrial psychologist, so that's my background. Not an accountant. Not an accountant, not an IT, not a... <laughs> um, so that's my background, and I worked in different organizations. But for the last 25 years, I've been working for consulting firms globally for many years and Europe and Middle East, Asia, and always around talent management. So my specialty will be leadership development, psychometric assessment, succession management, all those domain. And as a national practice leader at Optimum Talent, one of my role is to look at new products and services and uh, to bring to our clients and make sure our firms is up to date and, and focus on uh, where's the market going. So a bit of a research development element in my role as well. Yeah, Really and, interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. And, I, and I, as I like to say I'm a psychologist with an MBA because it's true I did an MBA as well because at the end of the day, industrial psychology is really psychology at work. And, um, you know, we work with accounting firms, we work with all sorts of organization in and healthcare, and, the, and our role is to help them really to achieve their business results, but from the people's side. And we like to say we go pretty deep and leverage science as well. Yeah.
0: That's excellent. Yeah. People uh, often forget about how important the psychological aspect mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit of potentially a controversial idea here today that we may be facing an employment crisis. Can you tell me a bit about why you think
1: that? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's almost like two perspectives to have there. Um, sometimes people say we'll have a crisis because and you know the 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 background here is a artificial intelligence AI and all the changes and the impact on work and we can say well will people find work because their job may be become um, uh, replaced you know and uh, uh, being disrupted by AI that's Um, certainly
0: I think a a fear it is it is a lot of uh, technical roles such as uh, data oh, yeah. entry and yeah. yeah. lower-level jobs.
1: Uh, you're right, and I would add to that, what's unique with AI is, compared to previous technical changes, it really is and will impact a lot of professionals, accountants, lawyers, physicians, that have used technology, but their their science and their art was not necessarily threatened by AI, where now it, it's very disruptive for them as well. So that's, a little, I'd like to say, a little bit more deeper and broader in terms of impact. Interesting,
0: now how? How would you say that's going to impact a professional accountant, for example?
1: I mean, you take all those jobs where you leverage a lot of information. Um, uh, And in one of our client, an accounting firm, um, the the partner that managed the tax practice, uh, international tax and laws, and you know, where they're they're they kind of on the bridge of uh, being an accountant and a lawyer because they look at all the laws the, for tax related in different countries and lots of research there. Lots of junior, almost like a junior lawyer, you know, doing a lot of uh, uh, research on situations and what's applicable. Those will be. Significantly impacted by AI, like because it will just be much better to look at all the data and find you know what's there exactly. The and and you know when we know an AI does deep learning is being keep updating and making connections. Another good example in in a completely different field, but in healthcare, um, physicians that are uh, specialized in imaging, you know, your Uh, your radiologists, radiologists, um, their world would be, is, and will be significantly impacted by AI because they will be much better at connecting and identifying some of the issues. It doesn't make them irrelevant, but their day to day will be very disrupted. So their added value will need to come from. Uh, uh, It will be uh, um, uh, demonstrated differently than what they do now, yes.
0: Interesting. So um, traditionally, accountants come up through the path of doing the very technical Mm -hmm. um, grunt work, Mm -hmm. you know, of Mm -hmm. of auditing, sampling, testing. So how does a professional accountant move up the chain if they no longer gain those skills it's a very different kind of yeah, model yeah
1: it's a very good question and um i think uh, a lot of us and accounting firms and um, and specialists are looking at a crystal ball to say okay how are we going to do that um you, you're totally right like you know your your abc and the, yeah. the your you two years of uh, auditing and if those junior, call them, earlier career type of role, disappear or significantly changed? Um, What will be the future? How the juniors will grow? Exactly. Um, I mean, I
0: know myself back 20 plus years ago, being a junior in an Mm -hmm. accounting firm, Mm -hmm. and really that is how you learn the the basics of how it all works, and it kind of clicks over time. So to to sort of have that taken out, it'll be a very different model. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And... And honestly, if I would have a very specific answer, I would give it to you. <laughs> and and not that I exactly like a crystal ball. Exactly, of but what we can see right away is fairly early on. The more junior, let's stick to accounting here. Accountants will have to learn cross boundaries skills very early. They cannot just focus only on accounting. They'll say, "Okay, yes, but how do I use AI in this type of job?
0: Right. Like,
1: how do I leverage the output?" of what AI will come out so I can support the partners or others. So it will, it's not my expertise is not required, is it will be my expertise, cross-functional boundary, cross-functional skills will be required earlier in their career.
0: And how do they gain those skills? Is that something that will be entered into a university curriculum, for example, or is it really a whole new education program in the profession?
1: Yeah. The... I'll give you a little bit of a broader answer, and I'll come back. I'll answer very specifically what you said there. But I think we need to look at it a little bit broader. Um, if I just take one minute to say, well, how do we learn in our career? You know, so uh, yes, we go, we all go to school. We have an undergrad or a master. What does not matter? But a, a degree, university degree, formal learning. But if you think of over your career, you there's probably seventy percent of what you learn over your career that you will learn by doing. By being exposed to situation to say oh wow well, I did this project or we learn by mistakes and errors and so we learn by doing.
0: Absolutely, there's I think that's really where your learning a happens. A lot, about seventy percent. It takes a lot of time. To develop
1: exactly, that. and then you get a twenty percent that is learning from others. You know, you, I'm junior. You have experience. I learn from you. You coach me. Or having a coach or an advisor. And then there's about ten percent on our over career that we learn from formal learning courses sessions reading e-learning so if you think about that so your question was only 10 percent. but take that over a career if you've been working um i know you're very young jennifer but i'm sure you have at least 15 years of experience (laughs) let's say you have 15 20 years of experience if i would say over 20 years of working how much time did you spend in a classroom or reading a book or at a conference to formal learning, it's small. Yeah, you learn key things, you learn fundamentals, but then you go deeper in your expertise because you apply. You work with a smaller company, then you work with a public firm, then you work in healthcare, then you, you learn from a boss is incredibly good at strategic thinking. See where I'm going is there's a lot that you will learn. So back to your question, how will the junior one earlier in their career learn all this? Well, they have to do their formal learning education but very quickly they'll have to be exposed to transdisciplinary skills like um, uh, critical thinking, um, like adapting to change, uh, like learning agility, constantly learning. So there's those fundamental skills and traits which I kind of put under the umbrella of natural intelligence that are absolutely critical. People's skills will become way more important for them because they'll find themselves quickly in an advisory role or working with others versus doing more uh, grunt work.
0: Yeah, well, so. interesting. I know we talk a lot about how when you want to become an executive, it really is not the technical skills that get you there. It mm-hmm. is the people skills and your resilience, mm-hmm. leadership, personal branding. Those are yep. the types of things that are absolutely. Yep. but Absolutely. How do we learn those earlier in our career? And and how do you really define natural intelligence?
1: Good question. In order to maximize the learning is we need to focus. No different than an athlete or musician, Any good athlete, they're not going to practice 15 things at the same time to get better. They'll say, okay, so I'm practicing, you know, I have my my whatever, sports or music, arts, um, but there's one thing or two I'm going to focus on in the short term to get better. Um, so, if we want somebody to get better and working in an AI and an environment where AI is suddenly very present, uh, okay, what is it that I'm struggling with? Maybe it's my cognitive ability to really look at the complexity of the data and go deeper okay, if that is what you need, which is really analytical quantitative orientation linked to critical thinking uh, if that's what it is, one, we need to define it in order to you know be clear what is it? Two, you need to measure it. This is that something you need to improve. And if we can define it and measure it, now we can improve it because we know exactly what it is. And back to the point I made before: is is the best way to learn is to leverage the three. The formal learning, maybe taking a course on that, or or and and two, learning from an expert. Maybe I'm there to coach you, but then I'll expose you. I'll put you in the situation to practice practice and practice and sometimes people think oh this practicing is more for activities like playing golf but same thing for cognitive or people skills you need to practice and being exposed and practice a lot so you really learn and have the neuron connection which is neuroplasticity in fact that will happen so Okay, what is neuroplasticity? Yeah, it's a. It's, a, it's not an accounting No, 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 no not at all, not at all. It's not an accounting term, but it happened to accountant and to all of us on a regular basis. I mean, we heard um, probably in radio or newspaper more about neuroplasticity in the last few years because we're saying, you know, even if you're aging, you can learn. Uh, people that have an accident or, you know, brain, sort of brain, um, brain accident or any illness that had an impact we realize that people can relearn everything even if there's a, a section of the brain that was damaged so really if i very simpl- simplify really neuroplasticity is our neurons neurons and the you know, cells in the brain that are connecting when i learn something when you learn something there's a, a there's a, a series of cells that connect and that's that's really what ha- what is happening there and And what's interesting is it could happen all along your life, even when you're getting older, but not only we have connections happening if I keep learning, but if I stop learning and using my brain, there's pruning happening so i was, think of the brain as no different than a muscle if you don't use it, it will atrophy it will it will not be in good shape. Well, you need to keep learning and and remember when I talk about the seventies learning by experience. Yes. Doing the same thing for ten years is not learning; it's just repeating.
0: Right, exactly. Okay? We've, so we've if I really so want you to get less com- good at something, completely, when you,
1: when completely, you it the same, absolutely, you stay in your you're, zone. you're, you're, oh, completely. And absolutely. that's exactly what neuroplasticity. If you want to maximize it, maximize the learning, you need to expose yourself to different situations, practice it, try it, and then the, the connections will happen. And this is where formal learning, where learning is happening.
0: So, what are the critical skills that are required for CPAs to succeed in this new world?
1: Yeah, yeah. The one that comes in the literature, and you know, I, I think I'm, we were dialoguing uh, briefly, and uh, the the, the re, I did some literature review of science uh, uh, literature on research and what we've seen. The one that comes always at the top is learning agility. Um, learning agility is your your desire to learn and your capacity to learn. And that's very interesting to distinguish the two. So you need you, both of those? You need both of those. Because your motivation to learn, it's, I use the word motivation, do you want to learn? Are you curious to you know, learn and discover? The other one is cognitive, it's your capacity. This is the gray matter, this is the engine. You know? This is the engine strong enough. You know, um, So motivation to learn, capacity to learn. Um, and both are required. And you can be very curious and a bit struggling on uh, with all this techn- technology or whatever technical uh, information. Um, so you need to pinpoint what is it that I want to learn. And then, as I mentioned, no different than uh, getting in good shape and working some muscles, you need to practice. You need to say, okay, I'm going to work with you because you're super good at data analytics and I'm struggling work with me, Jennifer, help me, and I'm going to do it with you, we're going to do it three times, you asked me to do it on my own, I'll come back. The more I will practice, the better I'll get.
0: And with learning agility, do you think that anybody can learn a skill, or is it really, uh, you have to have the natural ability to start, and and just like some people are better at certain tasks than others. Absolutely.
1: You're... both are true both points and your questions are true um, everybody can learn everybody can improve absolutely where but where do you start you know there's natural strength that we all have all of us um, I'm extremely comfortable in presenting and bring me a group a speaking engagement I love them very easy where well, we know very well that some people were, are Frozen in a stage in oh, front absolutely. of a group. Absolutely, like the USA Today uh, study uh, that says
0: people that would rather
1: die. Die instead of that presenting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's. No, a, I'm with you. I, I, I'm I, not sure people would really <laughs> want to die, but uh, some people yeah. just can't. So that's my natural strength. But when I flip it and I look at how good am I from a quantitative orientation standpoint, dealing with numbers, spreadsheet. I'm struggling this well, we is not so I became a psychologist not an accountant um, but having said that if we all say, oh, too bad, I'm not good at it, well, nobody would improve on anything. So I can put my mind to say, listen, and I did that. I need to work. I'm working with the executive now. I need to understand the business better. I'm a partner in a firm. So I did my MBA. I did my finance courses. I worked with our controller. And so I learn. I'm way better, way better than I was. Naturally, is still not where I go first, and I would never put myself in a director of finance position. But I learned something, even if it naturally was not a strength of mine.
0: Because you have the motivation side.
1: I did, I did exactly, and and and. Uh, but but again, there's something interesting and uh, a little bit beside the question here. But if you put yourself in a role where constantly you're pulling skills or tasks that are not natural for you, it will be so difficult. And either you'll fail or you'll get demotivated. So if I would do finance management every day, I wouldn't stand it. I do it well and I do my, you know, monthly, quarterly, work the budget, whatever. Um, but I I most of my time I work with people. I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, I'm an expert, and that's where I'm naturally strong. So we can Everybody can improve. So let's not kid ourselves. Oh, no, you cannot improve that. Absolutely, you can. But where do you start? Are you at the 10th percentile or are you at the 70? And where do you want to go? So that's a there's a, a difference there for sure. Right,
0: and it's, a, it's important for people to be successful to understand what – it is that they're good at what is their mm-hmm. natural strength because Absolutely. that's where they're going to do the
1: best. Absolutely. And again, you're 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 going in a direction here that is so we know it now, and that's critical. Is you know leverage your strength.
0: Absolutely. If you're
1: you you have a passion to be with people, you have a passion to present, go at it, do more of that. Um, but if you your passion is more about analytical, going deep, looking at data, logical thinking. And you don't really want to manage people or deal or have to deal with people issues. Please don't put yourself in a leadership role. You know, find an expert position. So leverage your strength. Although at some point you need to develop something that is not a strength, like my finance uh, side and quantitative orientation I mentioned. But the more you leverage your strength the more you'll be in the right position and then be successful.
0: When you talk about how important it is to have a transdisciplinary skills going forward, yeah. so is that really about the idea where you do need to look at the broader sphere? Like you're saying, you do need to focus on, your. you got your MBA, you've learned about that mm-hmm. because it is important to yeah. have a broader uh, knowledge base?
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 it, and please don't take that as the MBA's is the solution here. Is whatever you feel. I happen to work in um, quite a bit in healthcare, and more and more managers in hospital directors, especially they had to do tons of data analysis. Like There's tons of information going at them and looking at it and okay, what it means for my, if I manage the emergency, if I manage a critical um, uh, ICU or any. So what, what does it mean for me? I'm not talking about the, the physician, I'm talking about the manager here, the director. And they need to be much better at integrating information and data come from different sources. Their background is maybe a nurse, maybe a healthcare professional, now suddenly they're in data analysis and well, totally making different. decisions. Completely different. And now they need to learn that. It doesn't make them a specialist in big data or IT, but it's part of their job suddenly, so that's the, trans- the transdisciplinary type of skills or knowledge that they will require.
0: So really to be successful, you really do have to... Uh... Be able to do a lot of different things going forward.
1: Yeah, leverage your specialty. Uh, you know, it could be uh, whatever: IT, accounting, law, or you know, plumbing. But uh, even even uh, um, trades position. I said just said absolutely. plumbing. Well,
0: if you're a plumber, you need people skills. Oh, and, and right technology. They'll yeah, more absolutely.
1: and more will operate with technology. Uh, you know, people managing warehouses. Uh, guarantee it's full of technology around them now. They cannot just go and say, hey, I operate a forklift." No, you don't. You you have all sorts of you know, information at your disposal that you need to use. Yeah, so.
0: right. And what is cognitive load management? That yeah. uh, I know you talk about that, but it's a, a new term. Certainly, I've never sure.
1: heard before. Sure, sure. Um, if we um, look at the life of any professional these days, you would see so much volume of information going at them, (laughs) to them, um, receiving information, being required to answer all sorts of requests and questions. And so a lot of solicitation to your brain, um, a lot of uh, input coming from everywhere. And no wonder now that we see more and more work on um, how can you rest your brain, you know. So uh, um, mindfulness, you know, you hear that more and more these days. The reason is we see more emotion, not only emotional, but cognitive burnout. I just can't take it anymore. I just have too much in my brain. And although the brain is very powerful, um, you cannot constantly being over-solicited and try to over-process information and still be healthy. You can't. So you remember I said earlier, you think of your brain as a muscle, mm-hmm. as if you would run and never stop, well, your legs are gonna shut you down at some point. Well, your brain is gonna shut you down. So the cognitive load management is manage, put filters on the load of cognitive information, solicitation going at you. Find quiet moment. Um, Like one of the consequence of lack of uh, cognitive load management is lack of focus. Because I'm talking with you, then suddenly my phone ring, then suddenly there's three messages coming here, and I know that so whatever, I'm checking Twitter or whatever, there's just too much, and I'm lacking focus. And complex issues, creativity, innovation will come if I can focus on a few things. So it's okay to have some multitasking, but constantly multitasking is a recipe for failure, guarantee. There's no young, old man, woman that cognitively will be successful with too much um, um, uh, multitasking. You need to pause or filter information so you don't have too much.
0: What are some strategies for today's professionals to deal with this overload?
1: Um, Depending on our profile, sometimes um uh, i use you know a differentiator that everybody knows see if you're a more introvert person introverted versus extroverted you need your quiet time to reflect you need your quiet time to really say okay i need to recharge the battery here so i strongly encourage people to say protect some of that quiet time knowing that in many work environment now it's open space and there's constantly noise, and you can be you know solicited all the time, so go and hide no issues if if there's no place at work, go outside work, go home or whatever. find a place to be quiet and reflect so that's one way and and even if you're an extrovert, you need it too um and then the other thing is limit the amount of information going at you uh you know it's not rare now to see leaders they talk to you. Then they check their phone, then somebody comes at the door, then they check their phone again, and they're still in conversation with you. That's one, it's disrespectful. Or oh, in meetings, that's even worse. You know? so, uh, that is the worst it in is terrible. It's terrible. It's um, terrible. I saw recently in a 360 assessment, multi-rater survey, an executive in an organization talk about just below CEO. Almost everybody in the 360 said, you stop checking your phone in meetings, executive meetings, it's disrespectful and you don't you don't participate when you're supposed to. and it was so strong and you talk about top of the house executive here because his nature is constantly connected and, he, and of course if you check your phone guarantee you're not listening to what the person is talking and and it went to a point where the CEO said that could be a career limitation. Because you show completely disrespect to your peers and your lack of focus. You're not into the conversation when you need to. You're really active, not watching your phone when it's your topic on the agenda. So what message are you sending to others? So that's not your teenager at the table, no. Oh, um, I have that issue. Yeah, I'm sure you Can have you that. Take the phone that. That over that at that's it. But you yeah. expect that from a 14 15 yeah, years old? She is 14. <laughs> not 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 a a, 50, a 48 uh, years old VP executive uh, with a science background. And and that those are conditions where control yourself, shut the phone down, have better e-manners, and call them e-manners now in meetings and limit it's okay to multitask if you say, I'm going to read this, I'm going to read that for a few hours. But at some point, you need to focus. At some point, you need to limit or you need to focus on the person that you're talking to. And that's what some leaders are not doing. So
0: long, answered,
1: long answer to the cognitive load management. Yes. How did
0: that executive uh,
1: deal with that? He, he, uh, he, took, he took it very seriously, actually, because when I debriefed the assessment with him, it was in the comments section. And it was almost everybody wrote it down. So I said, "I'm just the messenger here," but as and there's no interpretation of what's been written there. No, it's not. Oh, you think I'm aggressive and I'm just very, uh, um, I don't know, very self-confident and for and have a loud voice. No, no, no. There's no interpretation. You're on your phone when it's not the right time, constantly. So you have to stop. And and but the feedback is easy to understand. The solution there. One is self awareness. two is share with others, so we end up having a conversation with the executive team, and the person openly said, "I heard you, I received the feedback, and you have the right to tell me if ever I do it. Tell Excellent. me to stop well, that's positive, so right? that 's the right it's thing that was, yeah exactly
0: absolutely so AI and all of machine learning and there's so many buzzwords around what's happening these days yeah. is changing so quickly. What are some final thoughts for how CPAs can succeed in this new, extremely fast-paced, fast-changing world?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll just connect on a few things. Remember the the T-shape, the, so the profile. So you are an accountant, you're a professional. It's not less important. Be sure to really be good on whatever, if it's uh, auditing or tax or whatever, your director of finance. And, uh, but... Think of what else I need that is not my technical expertise from understanding technology, from adapting to change, um, from, we even look at a competency now th- called Thrive in Chaos. What do I need, like flexibility, is is a key, key trait. People that are highly structured and organized and somewhat rigid are struggling in a fast-paced change environment. So work your flexibility a little bit. So my specialty, But the horizontal bar of the T is what else cross-functionally that I need or different skills. Um, The other thing I would say to um, uh, CPAs um, is it's not going from uh, I never ran and I'm going to run a marathon. Pace yourself, you know. So pick one thing, work at it. You know, I'll get better at this. This year, I'm going to work on two things to get better at. Focus on that. Then next year, I'll take something else. So you're not completely... Uh, change try, try to transform but the the learning will happen when you focus pick one or two things focus on it you'll get better if you say oh i need to learn that and then i need to be flexible and then i need to do this oh i need to rest there's like 15 things you're not going to get better at any of them focus
0: excellent well thank you so much jocelyn that thank you Jennifer. excellent advice for us on how to succeed in this crazy new world
1: okay thank you very much